I uh, was with um, Sharon at the Thrive Conference. Um, this is a group of ladies from the Peninsula of Florida Assemblies, and they were in Daytona Beach, and uh, we were there on Thursday night because my responsibility was to take the offering. And so I took the offering, and uh, Karen Wheaton, how many have ever heard of Karen Wheaton? A lot of songs. And Karen was the speaker for that event, and her daughter was with us, uh, with her. And uh, she was talking about how to press in uh, to the Lord. And she said her daughter, who was married and had a child, after being raised by her and in the ministry, decided that the grass was greener on the other side. And that she left her husband, left the baby, <clears throat> and said, I'm not coming back. Karen said, I thought that would be for a brief period of time. And we did all the usual things that a parent would do. How could you do this? This is not how you were raised. You're a Christian. You, 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 you've just got to come back. Maybe you're going through a tough time emotionally and, and all of that. And she said it just fell on deaf ears. And the more that we talked, the deeper in sin that she, she got. She said if she wanted to experiment with something that she had only read about or heard about, as, as a young Christian woman, she decided to just get into all of it. So it was drugs, it was drink, it was all kind of sexual encounter, all of that. And she went deeper and deeper and deeper. She said to us, um, I won't be home for your birthday. I won't be home for Thanksgiving. I won't be home for Christmas. Don't try to call me. I don't exist anymore. Karen said that was more than I could take. And she said, naturally, we were praying, my husband and I, and believing God. God, help us here now. She said, I had friends, and they knew about the situation, friends that I knew and loved and trusted. And she said, all of them, all of them, said, Karen, just turn her over to Jesus. Just turn her over to the Lord. That's all you can do. Do you remember that? Remember saying that, Rach? That's all you can do. She said, that was not enough for me. Just turn her over to Jesus. As if that is a bit passive. She said, I made my mind up. I'm going to turn her over to Jesus, all right. 
But I'm going to petition. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. I'm going to bombard hell. And I'm every single day she's going to be at the top of my list. She said it was really tough ministering around the country and singing and sharing a message and talking to people about encouragement and knowing that you had your daughter back home. She moved away. That was living that kind of life. She said, I wrote scripture. I quoted scripture. I called her name out to God. She said, where we live, it's kind of out in the country. She said, we have a little ranch out there and she said, I had a place out back that I prayed and I would, she was my main goal. She said, I had determined that I'm not just going to turn her over to Jesus. I'm going to get her. She said, if I have to go to the pit of hell and redeem my daughter, I'm going there. She said, I would walk out the front door of our house, and since we live out, I would turn toward, she was in Nashville, remember? I would turn toward Nashville, and she said, I would scream to the top of my voice, calling her name out. I'd call her by name. Do you remember her name? Who, Cindy? Yeah, something like that. I'm going to call her Cindy. Is that Okay. Cindy, come home. She said, I'd stand out on that front porch and I would say it, Cindy, come home. Over and over and over again. And I just kept praying. I didn't know what God was doing. The only thing that we knew every time we got a report, it was worse than the report before. And said, I posted scriptures all over the place. And I said, I'm believing every scripture I could pack in my heart. It had something to do with her. Cindy, come home. Cindy, come home. She said, all my friends said, turn her over to Jesus. And you just turn it over and you say, okay, I've turned her over to Jesus. And that God's going to take care of it. She said, I believe that you could turn her over to God. But I believe that God needed a warrior to let the enemy know, I've turned her over, but I'm fighting for my daughter. She said, one day. How many years, Rachel? Several years. I was in the kitchen. I heard somebody I turned, and there was Cindy. She said, Mom, I'm back. She didn't know what I went through. She didn't know how I stayed on my face. She didn't know how I'd fasted. She didn't know I called her name out on the front porch. But she said, God knew. Amen. And the day came. Well, she was at that conference, correct? She gave her testimony of how the enemy lured her away, tricked her, and deceived her. And how that her mom and her family petitioned God and would not 
give up. I'm saying that to you. The Bible says hard things come through fasting and prayer. But there are times in our lives when we face problems and challenges with which we can do nothing about. Can't do anything about your past. It's the past. You can't do anything about that. But people have souls, and as long as there's breath, there's life. And she, as I listened to her, I thought, you know what? The enemy pushes us over way too easily. We are really, really, really focused for a while. And we're going to win it, we're going to beat it, and God's going to answer it after a while. The greatest tool of the enemy is apathy after a while. Karen said, I never rested. There was no after a while. I believed every day was the day. Isaac, one of the wealthiest men of his day. How many remember what his father's name was? That would be Abraham. How do you remember what mama's name was? Yeah, Sarah. The fave child that took place, but Isaac became wealthy. And God said to Abraham about Isaac, one day your namesake, your heir, is going to have people, people, people more numerous than the sand pebbles on the beach. Isaac grew and became wealthy, so wealthy. He lied, so he wasn't a perfect man to Abimelech and said, hey, Rebecca, that's my sister. That was a lie. And he got corrected when Abimelech found out, hey, that's your wife. Abimelech said, nobody better touch either of these two. And Isaac, even in the midst of his imperfection, that's, that's what I want you to get, that you can storm and be stubborn and stay in the presence of God, even though you have experienced imperfection because he forgives us. He became wealthy, planted his crops. They produced a hundredfold. He had more servants, more sheep, more of everything. He was considered to be the most wealthy person in that day. But there was a challenge with water and a challenge with circumstances in which there was a famine and and Isaac of course Abimelech told him I want you to move you're too much for us you moved and he went to Gerar camp there it was familiar territory for him he realized hey my dad was here I want to visit some of the wells at my dad and see what happens that my dad dug you know what he told his people, go dig. <laughs> they dug and they hit water. The Philistines had covered the wells up and they took the sand back out and redug the well, and all of a sudden, there's water there. There was an argument between the tribesmen with Isaac's men. They said, hey, that well belongs to us. Isaac said, let them have it. 
dug another well, redug it. The well of anger, water gushed up. Angry. Isaac. Isaac said, let them have it. Dig another one. When my eyes were bad this last time in the beginning of the year, I think March, I had nowhere to go but to God. Week after week, until finally, Sharon and I were watching Jensen Franklin, and he talked about the power of prayer. And Sharon said, we need to get the leadership together and tell them to pray. We called a meeting on a Monday night just with the church board staff. One reason I'm going to pray for healing. We had dug well after well after well. The doctor started out positive, And when the treatments didn't work and we're back the next day, I went on Saturday morning. I went on Sunday morning driving the hour and a half. Didn't matter what day it was. We went on one of the holidays. Didn't matter. They re-inject, pull the pressure down. Didn't matter. By that afternoon, I felt like my head was going to explode its back another day. Sharon said, how long do we have to do that? Oh, we can do this. Yeah, eventually we'll get it. When the third and fourth week rocked around, he wasn't as positive. He said, we can't do this forever. We may have to do, looks like surgery. And that's not a good idea to have to do. Well, we know how to pray. You see, I knew in that territory, in that situation, like Isaac going back to where his dad had wells, I'd already been in that territory before. It was the same territory that we prayed for our number one granddaughter, Taylor, whose birthday is today, who the doctor said she probably won't live during the night through the night. She has E. coli. Kidneys are shutting down. And if she happens to come out, she'll have kidney problems the rest of her life. I've been in that territory. I've been in the territory numerous times, praying with my mother, with my father. I've been in that territory numerous times praying for people. I knew what that arena looked like. Karen Wheaton said, I've been there. And she said, even though the devil lied to me every day and even though at the holiday table her plate was empty and even though no calls for birthdays no calls back to her family I said God she said you 
are still God. And in that moment, in that territory, that night, God gave me a miracle that my pressure dropped from 42 down to where it should be at about 12. 30 points high creates immediate blindness, could create a brain bleed, dropped. I was back there last week, checked the pressure. If I remember correctly, the pressure in this eye was like 10. Pressure in this eye was 12. I said, he's still holding. What I want you to know, we've gathered here tonight to pray. So Isaac said, dig the third well. You know he had some of his men who said, hey, you have enough money, you can buy water. You can go to Egypt and get all the water you need. Why do, you keep, why do we keep doing it? And Isaac said, because that well belongs to my daddy. And though the Philistines filled it up with sand, it's still my daddy's property. And I'm telling you, when they dug that third well, the gusher of water flew out of the ground and bubbled up. And the scripture says, and there was no argument from any of the other tribesmen. And the abundance of that water watered all the flocks, all the people, and continued to water out of the abundance of God's favor. So this is a Wednesday night. There's a lot of activity taking place on campus, and there's a lot of you watching online. Sometimes you have to really dig in and say, we dug and we had two misses, but we're going to dig again. And for you to get a financial miracle, some of you, the enemy has tried to bankrupt you. The enemy has tried to scare you. The enemy has tried to rob from you, steal from you. You keep dancing from one pot to Peter to pay Paul, and then Paul to Peter, and then to here, and then to there. I want you to know that your daddy owns the bank and has the answer for you and your family to get financial liberty. But somebody has to dig the well. And in this room right now are enough of us, I'll call us diggers, to help you dig, amen, to get what God needs. And what does God say through his word? Anoint them with all. Pray the prayer of faith. And when that third well gushed out, there was a rejoicing in the camp. And once again, once again, Abimelech and all his people looked and say, what is happening over there should have never happened. Once again, the favor of God, the favor of God is upon Isaac, that man. We're going to worship. 
I want to ask you to remember we're here to pray for those that might have physical need or whatever need is, but primarily some physical challenge and or financial needs. And those are the two things that God laid on my heart. I got a call today, yesterday, from a person who came to church here, moved away less than a year ago, called me up, probably watching right now, and said, Pastor, I need you. I need to see you. I need a miracle. I need God to do something. Please help me. I said, we'll FaceTime. She said, that's not the same. That's not the same, Pastor. She's a thousand, she and her husband are a thousand miles or more away. I said, we're going to be praying tonight. And we're going to believe for you that God will heal you and give you a miracle by his hand. Amen. So as we worship, come on out, team. We're just going to worship and listen. You can sit there and you can just immerse yourself in prayer. Or you can, you can go join somebody and pray for them. Or if you have a friend from here to way over here that you want to say, pray with me. If you come down, we're going to anoint you with oil. We're going to believe God, and we are going to relax and not have any agenda other than we're going to dig the wells until we get healings. Amen? And you can leave when you need to leave. You can exit. You can kneel. You can do whatever you need. I just know that God promised me I'm going to give some miracles Wednesday night. I am ready. How about you? I am ready. Amen. So we're going to worship. You let God direct you. If you need prayer, you come on down and we're going to pray for you. Here we go. Let's believe the Lord together. I sing praises to your name. help us some of you small group leaders come on out I sing praises to
Sing it. 
Anyone else need prayer? We're here for you. If you haven't moved, it's your moment. Come on, friend. If you haven't moved, you want to come out of the balcony. Anybody up there? If you haven't moved, come on down. We're going to pray with you.
one of the things that the early church did, the Bible said they prayed for one another. And they prayed for one another, and that was extremely important because both parties, the one praying for one another, often was not one person going to another, I'm here to pray for you. But it was reciprocal. That person then prayed for the other person. And faith grew out of that activity, out of that act of obedience. And in the church today, in the church today, we can become uh, ritualized to the degree that we come and we worship and we talk to God and we leave, but we don't have that, that praying for one another. So I'm going to ask you, I want to ask you to get with two or three or four. Some of you can't count, so it's five or ten. I know that. And I don't want any one person not with at least another person. So I'm going to ask you to stand if you are able. And we're going to change songs and sing differently. And I want you to just join together in a little circle or in a square and just pray for one another. Can you do that? I don't want anyone, if possible, not join. If you see someone that's single by themselves, please hook them in to your group. Okay, here we go. Just pray. I'll tell you what, you sing. Y'all join in a circle.
seal this time together. May the song of worship, may we remember that we have the power to stand on the front porch and call out the name of the one that's missing at the table. God, we have the power to say, I'm going to dig another well because I know there's water there and that's my daddy's well. And I'm going to stay until it comes to pass. Now, Father, I pray there's some here that's had a traumatic experience in their life. A traumatic experience of trauma that shook them to the core of their spiritual being. And as a result of that, the reverberation of that trauma in their spiritual being has tested everything they thought they believed. And Lord, they're hanging on to the best of their ability. They're on a utility supply because it seems that in the name of Jesus, they can't quite get the handle on the breakthrough. They believe it. But Jesus, as you speak through me now, Holy Spirit, I pray that that individual or individuals either here or watching online will be liberated by the power of the Holy Spirit. That God, once again, we know the greatest weapon against the enemy is worship. And that, Father, we surround ourselves with worship and song and praise and the Word of God. And God, what will happen, the enemy who is afraid of the dynamics of worship and the Holy Ghost will in fact begin to back away and the joy of the Lord will once again restore to that person who's been challenged with trauma to greater spiritual dimension and health than they have ever known. I claim that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. We love you, fellowship. We're going to sing that again. Here we go. The glory of your presence, we your temple. Give 
so rise, say, so rise. 